thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, grab your word. Go to Mark chapter 1. We are continuing through that Joshua code. I've got to move this a little bit because I feel like I'm uh, one-sided here. Sorry, then a little remodeling here. Um, and I definitely will kick those, I promise. Hey, now I can see you. I felt like it was a border. I couldn't get to my people on the south side there. Uh, like it's fenced off. Hey, uh, we're th- going through the Joshua Code. Joshua Code's a book that we've jumped into this summer, and it's 52 verses that the church should not leave earth without. I mean, they, they got to know these verses. And so we've jumped through that, and hopefully during this time, you guys have practiced memorizing those verses that we've t- touched on. We, we don't, we're not covering a whole bunch each Sunday. We're just kind of kind of sticking the one and, and dissecting it. But my goal is that you guys, and myself included, as the church, that we memorize those scriptures, that we make those scriptures part of our week. So this week is Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 17. It's a particular verse that you know well. You've heard it. We say it. We quote it. But we're going to look at kind of what it's trying to say to us. And what I want to do with this is I want to take... um, Fishermen. I don't know how many of you guys are that are ladies that fish, but we're going to look at the comparisons of the fishermen and how we're supposed to be as fishers of men. There's some characteristics, just like there's characteristics in shepherds uh, in us or that we need in us. And so I want you to go to Mark chapter 1, look at verse 17. You know it well. It simply says, come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. Now, when he said that, he said that to a group of guys that were throwing nets into oceans and gathering up fish. They were on a shoreline at the time. Jesus is passing by, and this is their livelihood. It's all they know. And he simply just looks at these cats and says, come and follow me. Just come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And I want you to know something. They dropped them. I I don't know why. I can't tell you exactly what went on at that moment, but I'm going to tell you, Scripture very clearly says that they dropped their nets, and they followed them. Now today, if he said, come, follow me, drop your iPad, drop your iPhone, Walk away from your Mac computer and follow me. I wonder what that looks like today. What, 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 what? Just a, I, man, Jesus, look, man, I'm, I love my counting. Woo, you got to see my week. I mean, I don't, I mean, he, he, when we start that, he just starts walking. I mean, if those fishermen, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't, we know how to fish. How you going to show us how to fish? We are fishermen, dude. I mean, there's no dialogue. They're not. They're just dropping their net and they're following him. Matthew's a tax collector. He's collecting money. Jesus sees him at Capernaum and says, "Hey, come follow me." Now, maybe accountants walk away quicker than fishermen. I don't know. No more numbers. Thank Jesus. They just walk away. All right. I don't know. But he's gone, and they follow him. Now, what? 
you would say, what a crazy way to start a movement is grab a bunch of dudes that are fishing and say, drop your nets and follow me. We're going to change the world. I mean, you wouldn't think, you'd think the king would have a bigger plan, you know. But no, that was his plan. He could have went to anyone, just like the angels were sent to the shepherds watching their fields and told them, hey, Jesus has been born. Go see him. All right. And they just got up, left. And you say, well, why did they appear to the shepherds? Can't tell you, but they obeyed. Why did he appear to the fishermen? Don't know, but they obeyed. Why don't he appear to me? Don't know. Maybe you won't obey. <laughs> why didn't he ask me to do something? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you won't obey. Well, I'm 47. I've never heard God ask me to do anything. Well, probably because he already knows your answer. I don't know. But that was his answer. That I mean, they dropped it and went. So what? let's look at some comparisons between fishermen and us. We are called today as the church to be fishers of men. We each have a platform, a circle of influence. We've been given that by work, by neighborhood, by job, by title, whatever it is. We have people around us. Every single day. And we are missionaries on a mission field that is so ripe with harvest, it's incredible. You think this world doesn't need Jesus? Watch the evening news once. We're just lost, man. We're just lost. We talk about stuff that doesn't matter, and we don't talk about stuff that does matter. I mean, we're just looking for Jesus, and we don't even know what we're looking for. Him. We're, we're, we're hungry, and we're starving, and we're naked, and we're desperate, and we don't even know that we are. We think we're okay. <laughs> That's what's sad. We think we're okay. But, friends, Jesus didn't come for the okay. He came for the sick. And until we realize we're sick, we're probably not going to run to him. And so let's look at comparisons with fishermen because we're called to be fishermen. Jesus says for us to catch them and he'll clean them. That's what he says. You go catch them and I'll clean them. So let's look at some comparisons of fishermen and us. See how we do. A real fisherman is positive. Some of you are like, I'm done. I didn't even get number one. Real fishermen are positive. I mean, they are. Those who see an answer in every problem, not those who look for problems in every answer. You know those people? You give them an answer, it's like, well, I don't like, I don't, no, the problem is you just don't like my answer. I mean, they, they, see, they see problems before they ever see answers. They, they, they don't, they're just negative. They don't see a way. Fishermen are positive people. I mean, I remember when I was little, uh, I was probably 10, 11, 12, 13. I didn't fish much with my granddad when I got in high school because I hardly ever went down there because I was playing ball all the time. But when I was young, I used to go with my granddad to fish. He lived in South Texas. He's about 10 minutes from the beach, and we used to fish in St. Louis Pass. St. Louis Pass is where the Gulf of Mexico just kind of floods into the, to the grasslands there. A lot of people wade fish. A lot of people just use fat bond boat, whatever. But every time I'd go there, my granddad w would take me fishing. Now, my brother... He, he's not a fisherman. 
My cousin's not interested. But we would go. Now, my brother went every once in a while, but what he lasts about 0.4 seconds out there. So we gave him a bucket and some bait and put him on a sand dune over there and told him to go play with crabs. Because he had no patience. He's loud. He's like a bull. He's like fishing with a German tank. I mean, everything's moving. He can't stay still. He's talking. He's, he's losing bait. He, he, he sunk our lunch before we ever got off the dock. I mean, we look up, and, and my granddad's cheddar cheese and his uh, sardines are floating to the bottom. Now, you want to make a fisherman mad? His sardines float to the bottom before he ever starts? That's a bad day already. And so my brother, he's just not a fisherman. He would stand before you and say, I confess I'm not a fisherman. Because he's not. So we just hide him over there somewhere and, we, and let him play with crabs. And so we'd go fishing, and we, on the way down, at 4 o'clock in the morning, you get up, and you, your first thought is, what in the world am I doing? And so you get up, you get dressed, you get ready. My granddad, he's just pumped. He's, he's all excited, talking. And boy, man, just, mm, it's not that with everybody. And so he's gone. We, we drive out. And so when you're deep sea fishing or when you go into the uh, St. Louis Pass, you fish with shrimp. Now, dead, dead shrimp don't catch much but crabs. Live shrimp catch good fish. So what you're doing is when you're driving in, you don't buy bait night before, okay, because it's dead. You buy bait on the way out. So what you look for is white flags. De- black flags, death. White flags, live bait. So when you're driving down, you got to look for white flags. Ernie, Ernie's always had the best bait. And so we're driving down. And the thing about fishing at 4 o'clock in the morning, you drive there and the lights are on. You don't see any lights. You're like, no one's up but us. And so you get to Ernie's, and I'm telling you, every boat made in South Texas is at Ernie's. I'm like, Lord, what are y'all doing? Do y'all not? What, all y'all got up at this time? I thought... My granddad's the only crazy Indian. I mean, so they're all there. So we walk in, and everybody's, hey, what's up, Big Mo? Hey, Big Mo. Hey, Big Mo. Hey, Big Mo. You going to get them today, Mo? Yeah, we're going to catch them today. Today's a good day. Today's going to be a great day. Awesome day today. We're going to get them today. Going to get all the big ones today. Hey, Big Red today? I'm going to get that Big Red today. Hey, Mo, what's up, Big Mo? That's why they call him Big Mo. If you met him, you know why they call him Big Mo. So positive. And now, I, they don't even know I'm there because I don't exist. It's just Big Mo. All right, so I'm just paddling behind my grandfather through the store getting snacks, and my brother's getting lost. And so, and then, so we get our bait, and we take off, and we go out to St. Louis Pass, we start fishing, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what the day was. My dad, granddad's nothing but positive all day long. Even when he drops my brother off to catch, cra- you know, crabs, he's positive with my brother. Hey, Brian, you're a great kid. I want you to go over there and, and play with them crabs. And crabs don't have nobody to play with. You go over there, and we'll come back and get you. <laughs> now, I know my granddad's thinking, do I have to go back and get him? Because my daughter really wouldn't mind if I just left him out there for a while, I'm sure. But he would always be positive. He'd go back and get him. How about you? You've got loved ones. You've got friends. You've got coworkers. You know they're lost. You know they're lost. And you pray for them, and you pray for them, and you pray for them, and you may have shared with them, but are you still positive? You still positive, man? You still believe that the one who got Lazarus up when he was dead can raise up that loved one one day? You positive still? Or have you given up? Have you just quit, gotten negative, in the towel? Pretty consistent today on that. I don't know what that is. I've got a gun in my pocket or anything. But... But are you still positive? I'm telling you, I think a large reason that, that Jesus picked the fishermen, fishermen just flat positive people. I think they catch just enough fish. They're kind of like golfers. They hit just enough good shots to go back out the next day. 
You know what I mean? They don't think about all them ones that are like, I don't know where that one went. I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to start again. Right? But they don't think about that. They think about those ones that's almost a hole in one or right there at the green, you know. And, and, just, and fishermen, they catch just enough fish to go back again because they're positive, man. They're just positive. Second thing is this. A real fisherman is persistent. A real fisherman is persistent. They never give up. Never. Never. A fisherman never gives up. Never. I remember we were fishing one morning, and, I mean, it's hot. By 10 o'clock in South Texas in the summer, it's, like, ridiculously hot, right? And it's always, like, dew point of 80. We don't even know what that number looks like. But, I mean, it's just humid down there, thick. And I remember fishing all morning, and we spent very few mornings fishing with my granddad that we did not catch fish because you've got to know St. Louis Pass, you've got to know tides, you've got to know where the sand dunes are. You can get out there, and if the tide goes out and you're where you shouldn't be, guess what? You're there until the tide comes back in because all the water just left St. Louis Pass, and you didn't know the tide schedule, and now you're just waving everybody else going to lunch. Because I've seen cats pull up, and my granddad would drive by and go, you boys better move in about an hour or y'all not going to get out. Oh, yeah, have a good day, thanks. And we go back, and they're sitting on sand. I mean, seagulls around them. There ain't no water. They're just looking at us like, <laughs> and my granddad's like, I told you, you boys are going to have to leave. You know, they don't know anything about tides, all right? And so I remember fishing all, mo- all morning. We didn't catch squat. And so my gr- we're eating lunch, and my granddad says, you ready to go back out there? And I'm like, he goes, come on, man, I'm just telling you, you, you can't have a bad morning and a bad afternoon. You just can't. So we go back out there, and lo and behold, here comes one of those downpours that you get in South Texas. I mean, big old black cloud, and it's just raining. I mean, flooding, big old drops. It hits you like a, like a coma. And so it's just raining. I'm scooping water out of the boat, and my granddad's like, all right. I said, <laughs> what you so excited about? He goes, I'm going to tell you right now, redfish love it when it's raining. Flounders hate it. The speckled trout hate it. The drums hate it. The whiteys hate it. But them, them big reds, they love when it's raining, man. They love it. He said, I'm boofing to tear them reds up. Now, he's standing out there on the end of that boat, and he starts fishing. And I'm telling you, those reds, he's wearing them out. I mean, I'm just grabbing nets. I can't fish because i got to help him. And he's just tearing them up. He never, ever gave up. I've seen him do that many times, man. Never gave up. He always positive and never gave up. And I'm going to tell you, fishermen never give up. They never give up. They have a bad day, they're going back out the next day because they believe they're having another good day. If things go wrong, they have flat on the trailer, they can get put plug in the boat, motor won't crank, it doesn't matter. I mean, they keep on pushing. They keep on pressing. They never, ever, ever give up. How about you? I asked that earlier. You give up? You believe God can save them? You believe God will save them? Or have you chunked in a towel, giving up on God, questioning that it even exists? You got to have a good attitude. You got to persist. You got to persist. Real fishermen do what? They are patient. Some of y'all go ahead. I made one, made two, but third, I'm jumping. Fishermen are patient people. That's why my brother always had to go catch crabs because that dude is not. <laughs> Aaron's scratching his head like, I have no idea why that keeps doing that. Right? But, but, but fishermen are very, very, very patient people. One thing about fishermen is 
they will always try a different method. If that lure is not working, they try something different. I was pitching in college. Many of you know I pitched in college. And so when I went to college on a, to, to play baseball, my, my junior year, we were in Austin playing St. Ed, Edwards University, and we were, I was throwing the front end of a doubleheader. Now, my, my uh, college baseball coach is about 6'8", and he is an avid fisherman, loves to fish, baseball and fishing. I mean, that's what he loves. And so I'm pitching, first two innings, boom, six up, six down, rocking and rolling. I go out in the third inning, and I walk the first guy. If you guys over here play baseball know that leadoff walks will kill you, kill you. It's like, it's like the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not have leadoff walk. I mean, Jerry Fuller, man, uh, kidding, that leadoff walks will kill you. And so I walk the first guy. Second guy goes shopping in the gap. He hits a, I mean, rope in the gap. So I got second and third, no outs, and I don't know what's going on. So the next batter comes up, and four pitches I walk in, base load, no outs. I look like, I don't even look like the same guy who pitched the first and second inning. Totally, totally different. So I look over, because I keep glancing, because I know he's coming. You just know it, all right? And so I look over, and here he comes. And when, he, when you're pitching, and he comes out of that dugout, 6'8", looks 8'6". And he comes out there, and this is a true story. I'm telling you, this gospel on this. He comes out to the mound, and here's what he says. I'm, I'm expecting a, he's going to chew me out. What are you doing, boy? I pay you money, and you do this. I mean, I'm waiting on the good stuff. And he comes out to me, and he says, what do you, what do you think they're hitting today? What? What do you think they're hitting? Topwater lure? Worm. I, dude, I am freaking out. 21 years old, I have no answer. My parents would have been astonished. I'm speechless. First time in my life. I'm standing there looking at him. He's 6'8", and he says, what do you think they're hitting? I don't know. And so here's the only thing that came out of my mouth. I said, coach, I don't know. You're the fisherman. You tell me. And he said these words. You're right, son. You're the pitcher. And he walked off. Dude, I'm thinking, you get paid for that kind of coaching? That's just terrible coaching. <laughs> All right? And I get back on the rubber, and it's just, I'm like having this moment with God. He's like, he asked me a stinking fishing question. He knows I don't know the answer. But then he said, you're right, I'm the fisherman, but you're the pitcher. And walks off. And I get the glove, and I go, Let's just pitch then. And I mean, next three guys pop up, two strikeouts, we're out of the inning. We end up winning six to one. And so after the game, we're in between 30 minutes between the two games. <laughs> he comes down there, he's got this big smile on his face. He said, boy, you should have seen your face. I said, <laughs> I'm sure I should have seen my face. But see, fishermen, fishermen, man, I'm just telling you, fishermen know their deal. They know what they're doing. A fisherman will change methods if one way is not working. Now, that may not be the major league baseball pitching coach advice, but I'm going to tell you it was the greatest thing he ever said to me because I was messed up in my head, and I was trying to throw a strike, and I was trying to do something, and all he did was change my head. He just reversed my thinking. He messed me up, 
And what he did is, once he blew up my computer and then he rebooted me, I figured out how to pitch again. And, and it was the same game, same ball, same mound, same team. I just went through him. He got to change method. Beautiful, Josh. Okay? You and I, you got this loved one, you got this friend, you got this coworker, been trying the same thing for 60 years, they ain't working. Why don't you try something different? What's setting them up for the gospel talk and surprise them? Just surprise them. Come out of nowhere with it. Instead of announcing you're going to come over and talk to them, and they already know what you're coming for, and they already programmed their answers, and they already know how to deflect you, I just show up. I just strike up a conversation over lunch, strike up a conversation over grass, trees, baseball, sports. Most of the guys that I share gospel with, it's, we, we don't start off talking about Jesus. We start off talking about, you know, trucks and grass and trees and baseball and sports. We get to Jesus. Try, change your methods, man. Some of you are frustrated because you say, well, I've done this and it's not working. I'm doing that and it's working every time, okay? <laughs> but, but, but change your method. There's, there's different ways of getting the job done as fishermen. If they're not biting top water, change it. Go to spinner. If they're not hitting the spinner, go to the worm. Just change it. This bait's still the same. It's Jesus. You catch him, he'll clean them. It is his desire that all men are saved. He's more for it than you are. He's more in it than you are. Get on his page, change your method, try a different way, but do the same job. You'll get it done. Last one's this. A real fisherman is passionate. I mean passionate. I'm telling you, they wash their boats even when they're not dirty. We used to get back from fishing, and now when you get back, you've been up at four, you've been fishing all day, and we get back, and the first thing you want to do is go inside and shower. Because you know Mimi, she didn't she cook this great meal, and she did. She cooks while we're fishing. And so my cousins and brother, their whole motivation of fishing is to play with crabs and go back and tell Mimi how tough it was out there, and then she babies them and feeds them. Now, but my granddad, he had a rule. Now, I'm just going to tell you, my brother will stand before you and say, I, I confess, I didn't do it very well. But my, my grandfather's rule was when we get back, salt water eats stuff up, man. And you clean the boat, the motor, you wipe the inside, you clean out the live well, and you take those reels out, and you lean them against the tree, those poles, and you squirt them down real good. You get all the salt out. And then you dry them, and then you hang everything up. And that boat's wiped down, and then you cover it, and you go inside. Now, that's about another hour. And it's hot, but that's what you got to do. They're passionate about fishing. I'll never forget my favorite fish from my granddad's a redfish. He loved redfish. If you've ever fished in salt water in South Texas, reds are great. They're, they're fighters. They're fun. I remember one time my granddad caught this, I mean, it was a monster red. And you could tell the way he rolled the water. I mean, it was a big one. And, I mean, I think he was already dreaming, put it up on the mantle, put it on the front of his car or whatever. I mean, he's going to put it somewhere. And I remember him fighting that thing, rolling it through the grass. It, it, that salt grass is real deep. It's thick. And so he's getting it up there. And after about 30 minutes, he gets it right up here by the boat. Now, remember, you just have a hook, and you have a big old nice juicy fresh shrimp when you start. And he gets it up there, and he's holding it up, and he reaches down with his, with his uh, hand to grab it. 
And now, otherwise, he would have had, uh, he wants a net, but at the same time, we picked up my brother from crabbing, so he's in the boat, so we know that it's a disaster if you're trying to get a boat and you get the net from my brother because he always gives you the long net or whatever. So my granddad said, I said, do you want the net? No, I don't want the net. I got this one. So he reaches down his left hand, he's got his pole right here, and he just barely gets his thumb in that red lip, and pop, I see this hook sparkle in the sun, and I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm about to hear a 6'4", 255-pound, three-quarter Cherokee Indian cuss like there's no cussing you've ever heard. And I thought, he's fixing to just lose it. And I mean, he gets up, and he goes, that one got away. I was like, I thought Jesus coming back, looking at the water going, ah, Jesus coming back, boy. That's all he said. And I wanted to come home real fast and tell Mimi. He didn't cuss. He didn't kick anything. He didn't kick the boat. He didn't do nothing, right? But he's so passionate, man. The next day, we get up, and he said, that one that got away, he's still in there. He's still in there. I'm going to get him today. I'm like, dude, that dude's mouth hurting, and he ain't going to hit nothing for like four years, right? That's what I'm thinking. But my granddad just passionate about fishing. Passionate. Folks, hear this. Jesus, Jesus is so passionate about us. His desire is that all men are saved. His desire is that we, his children, who have hope and who have the new life in us because we have Jesus, to go out there and be fishers of men. My friends, I'm going to tell you, St. Louis Pass is just wide open out there. Fish everywhere. And they're dying, dying for someone to tell them about Jesus. you got to be passionate about it. I just don't know if the church today is as passionate about sharing Jesus as it needs to be. Today, the American church is called, build it big, look like a mall, and they'll all come. I don't care if it looks like the mall, and I don't care if you hand cotton candy out. They're on all coming. And the ones that desperately need Jesus aren't going to walk in here and thank you for your cotton candy, okay? They're out there. They're hurting. They're lost. They're wounded, and they need Jesus, authentic, real Jesus. They don't need the Texas Jesus, the Baptist Jesus. They need the biblical Jesus, and you got to give it to them. And many of us, my friends, we know where they're at. Just like my granddad, he knew where those fish were. Every time we leave, he'd know exactly where to go. You know where they're at, too. You just got to have a heart that matches Jesus and be fishers of men. Got to be fishers of men. He called us to be fishers of men. We got the greatest bait ever, and his name is Jesus. And he'll catch them. He'll catch them. He'll catch them. Let's pray. Father, this morning... Message is very simple. Passage is very simple. But it's the number one thing the enemy does not want us doing. He doesn't want us to follow Jesus. And he doesn't want us to follow Jesus because Jesus was fishers of men. And he called us to be fishers of men. And all around us, we have those people. And we have conversations throughout the day and the week. We know there's an opportunity right there if we just take it. But we let that opportunity pass by. We don't take advantage of the opportunity. Father, I pray that we 
would become real fishers of men. Those who are positive, those that are persistent, those that never, ever give up, guys. They're passionate about it. They change their method. If that's not working, they change a different way. God, give us your heart for people. And God, I pray during this invitation time, God, that you would stir us deep to be fishers of men. You promise if we catch them, you'll clean them. So God, help us to be passionate about the lost world out there. Help us to be passionate about lost loved ones, that you want to save them even more than we do. And so God, I pray you give us a hunger for them. And God, this morning, I pray, Father, for anyone in here who has a burden, a need, facing something that's much bigger than them, they must need, maybe just need some prayer, God. They just need somebody to partner with them and agree with them about this. And Father, I pray this during this invitation time, they would come as well. God, maybe there's a family member out there, a family that, that looking for a church home, God, and I pray you lead them here as well, Father. God, move us during this invitation time. Move us. Move us. And may we be obedient to whatever you say, Father. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. So during this invitation time, Father, you move us as you see fit. In Jesus' name.